We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. going on Roto Grinders welcome back to the NFL pick six show double digits week 10 usual suspects Rich Rebar you know him from Sharp Football Analysis as well as John Daigle from NBC Sports John I was actually listening to your uh one of your shows pre-show today uh you know seven o'clock we knew it was nine o'clock on a Wednesday night seven o'clock uh, you know NBA locks next two hours or so I prep for this show I listened to some podcast and you were really good. It was like you were flying solo, no host necessary. And you're just, it was, no, it was season long stuff. That's not my wheelhouse. We, we focus on DFS, but of course there is a Venn diagram. There's a crossover, but yeah. Tell the people about that show. I thought it was a, uh, you just fire off a bunch of questions. You just keep on answering uh, chat questions. I was about to say, I've been doing a show with you for a year and a half and you said, I'm really good now. Well, thanks for tuning in, Dean. Just now. I appreciate you season seeing that. I don't care. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, no. Thanks for listening. It's just a good football show. iTunes, Spotify. <laughs> Also, the NBC Sports Edge YouTube page where we just started, Kyle Dvorak and myself, on Sunday night. It's there every Monday morning now, a tournament recap show. Just like 10 to 15 minutes where we go over our lineups and the winning tournament lineups. Most of the stuff we talk about here because, you know, this is where we start our process, all three of us, and we build lineups from here. And, you know, Browns Bengals last week did get nearly 10 points over the over. Uh, Turns out the Bengals only contributed to that with turnovers, but nonetheless, it did hit (laughs) over, so... Halfway there. It doesn't pay the bills to get halfway there, but halfway there. You know who else scored a touchdown was uh, we did mention him on the show. We think not complimentary, but in, in a complimentary way. Donovan Peoples Jones did catch a touchdown. So uh I yeah. He's I, I think he's hitting every week except the one you talked about him. 
<laughs> Rewar, how was uh? We'll rehash last week for a second. Sure, why not? People always like to get a little rewind. <laughs> um, a lot of people. Well, it was a rough week, right? DFS wise, season long wise, a lot of the stuff that may have been predictable didn't really happen. Thankfully, uh, Yahoo saved my saved my week. I, I did pretty well in that Yahoo contest. It was a positive oh, nice. week. Yeah, but uh, do you have any thoughts as far as week nine? Is this a forward? Is this a forward-looking show? We just gonna look past it, or what, what do we get out of it? Uh, I got nothing out of it. I got zero dollars out of week <laughs> nine. Absolutely nothing in return. It was an absolute disaster. Uh, my three core quarterbacks are Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, uh, and um, I'm trying to think who was my last. Who was my last core guy to tank? It was a terrible player. Unless it was Patrick Holmes. It was Patrick Holmes. Yeah. yeah, it was Patrick Holmes. Those are my three oh. core quarterbacks, and I built stacks on those guys, and uh, th- it was terrible. Like Nick Chubb got there, and some of the Burrow stack <laughs> that was cool. Like, yeah, but uh, yeah, that, that's it, man. That was it was a I, nightmare. I <laughs> did so poorly that I late swapped from Tyreek Hill to Brandon Ayuk in the afternoon, and it didn't matter at all. It just wow. it just moved me up like fifty spots. Those fifty spots did not help. That's how poorly my lineups did. That was a really sharp move, though. And by the way, I just realized I, I rewound that in my head. I did not mean sound condescending at all. That was not my intent, the way I phrased that. Uh, <laughs> like, I wasn't yeah, shocked. Oh, my God, Daigle's actually pretty good. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it felt good to late swap to Ayuk. But again, um, be, feeling good does not pay the bills. So even the late swap did not matter despite doing so. We don't have to mess with Patrick Mahomes this week. Uh, well, Thank know, God. For, Thank for God. Sure. <laughs> Like we're so tired of the Chiefs, right? And, and Tyreek, all of them. Uh, yeah. Just I, I, I. Do we have any thoughts? Any, any, any thoughts, or just we want to just go move past it? Just we'll just save it. Down? Let's save it for other shows. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's pretty much the same thing that we'll talk about with the Bills and Cowboys. So we'll get to it all together. <laughs> yeah, like all the teams just like Freaky Friday or something like that. The Jags are all of a sudden good, at least for a week. Yeah. So how this show works? If you guys are just tuning in, you know, for the first time, week ten, where y'all been? Uh, yeah, how this works. We don't uh, really focus on, well, the team's going to buy. We're not talking about Chicago or Cincinnati or the Giants or the Texans. Thursday night football, Baltimore and Miami. This is a main slate show. So we're not talking about Kansas City and Vegas or the Rams or San Francisco. The 11 games in the main slate. Of those 11 games, we, we focus on three. Three main games, the three premier games, three games from a, a DFS perspective from all potential angles. Then we run it back and talk about our favorite players at each position that are not involved in those three games Batting first as far as the games. This is the feature game of the week, I think. Uh, biggest total on the board, Atlanta at Dallas. Uh, Dallas is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. 54-and-a-half is the total. Dagle, you picked these games. This is uh, this is our leadoff hitter, and like you kind of had to pick this game, right? It's gotta, it had to crack the board. Uh, your thoughts as far as uh, – well, Dak looked pretty rough last week. He had a couple of, uh, you know, garbage touchdowns to salvage this day, I suppose. Are we concerned at all about that injury? Is that sort of fluky? Is that just a coincidence? Because he's popping right now in cash game lineups on a Wednesday night. All 16 of their points basically came when they were well out of the running in that game midway through the fourth quarter. Every team was allowed at least one of these in the NFL. (laughs) When they stack, that's when we start to get worried. But for the Cowboys, it's really just about the devil being in the details because Dax Prescott was blitzed at a top five rate coming into that game. And it never really made sense since he does actually lead the league with 13 touchdowns against the Blitz as a high IQ passer. But the Broncos pivoted altogether, clearly shocked them and called man coverage on 43% of their snaps, getting pressure with only four pass rushers throughout the game, which explains how the Cowboys totaled just 145 yards and less than four yards per play 
and just five first downs as well through the first three and a half quarters. Cowboys actually went one for 13 on third and fourth down plays, including big drops to move that would have moved the chains from Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, and Dalton Schultz. So it's just all around poor play altogether. The good news for the Cowboys is that the Falcons can't do that because their stone last in pressure rate and sacks per game. Also, we're expecting Tyron Smith back at left tackle for this one. So just a completely different matchup for Dallas, in my opinion, altogether. All right. Your thoughts as far as how, how does Gallup being back change things? I guess they kind of like, we'll kind of dig into the other pieces, but uh, we're presuming Gallup's back. You know, nothing official just yet, but it's a Wednesday night. And I guess we're assuming Elliott's fine after being in and out of the lineup on, on Sunday. Is that kind of the presumption right now? I mean, they've given him two-point conversion carries down 30 points. You hope that, <laughs> yeah, what was that? Hope, hope that he's all right. <laughs> I mean, I have a, in my like main home league, Dak was my quarterback. I couldn't even believe he was in, but I was grateful he was. But, uh, yeah, Elliott's in there getting getting carries. Uh, they pulled the receivers, but everyone else was still in. But, yeah, I, I and Elliott practiced today, too. So, mm-hmm. looks like he's still on track, but. As far as Gallup coming back, it actually is pretty timely because with Blake Jarwin's injury, they actually shifted last week to an 11-personnel team. Uh, they used 11 personnel on 82% of their snaps after they were running 12 personnel at the league's fifth highest rate. So it kind of lines up. Maybe when Jarwin comes back, we'll see more of a, of a jostling, but it actually fits. It, there's some symmetry right now uh, in terms of the, the return. So we don't have to really fight and look and see how these snaps are going to be divvied up. Because if you go back to week one, I mean, CeeDee Lamb was basically a part-time player in week one before Gallup got hurt. So we don't have to deal with that for a week probably, or a couple weeks, because uh, I think it's just short-term IR for Jarwin. So uh, well, right now, all three guys should just come back and uh, be in, be locked in here. Like Daigle said, Falcons uh, last in the NFL in sacks. They get no pressure on their quarterback. They're last in the NFL in sacks plus turnovers created per game. Um, that was Dak's first game since week one where he threw for under eight and a half yards or pass attempt. Coming back to the calf injury, he was last in the NFL uh, in, in completion rate below expectation in week nine. Uh, these are all things, like I said, if, if, if you start stacking them, we can start to question things. But other than that, it was just probably a one-off against a, you know, a team that's a, a solid defense and a good, good defensive-minded head coach. You let, you let those go. We'll see what happens when they're now implied for 32 points if they do that against the Falcons. We'll revisit that. But other than that, I want to circle back here to the Cowboys uh, and dial in on them. Uh, probably the passing game is what we want to focus on because, uh, you know, we know what to do with, with Zeke. He's going to get into the paint eventually here again. He hasn't gotten there the last two games. But it looks like, you know, everyone's talking about A.J. Terrell. A.J. Terrell is having this breakout. But A.J. Terrell doesn't move. Uh, he plays 85% of his snaps in one spot. All the Cowboys receivers move around. We'll see if that holds true with Gallup coming back. But all those guys move around, so we don't have to really worry about it. Uh, so you can kind of pick your poison and pick who you want. But, I mean, Lamb's been the guy that has really had, like, kind of the floor and ceiling. I mean, he didn't hit a low floor last week. But Amari Cooper now has been kind of, like, really, really hit or miss. Uh, you know, he's had two top five weeks this season and then just kind of has been like the wide receiver four or lower and like everything else. He has three or fewer catches in five of eight games. But people keep getting hooked on that price, man. On DraftKings keeps lowering it and keeps pulling people in. Not saying he can't get there, but uh, he's definitely a lot more volatile than people give him credit for. Uh, but yeah, I want to circle back to the Cowboys passing game for sure. DK did bump him up to 6.2K. He was 5.7 the previous week, 5.1 before that. So and he just never, I mean, maybe this is just unfair, but he never seems to be 100% healthy. He's always like hobbling or just like he's, he's like toughing it out and giving it a go and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's really hard to avoid this offense when they've what a 31, 32 team total looking at the, 
against Atlanta, who's both bad versus the pass, fast, bad versus the run. Dealer's choice, however Donaldson wants to, to score, they should be able to score whichever way uh, they choose. Uh, do you have a preference here, Dago? Who do you want to start with? You want to start with one of the receivers? You want to start with Zeke? Ideally, uh, you get one big piece. You get one of the big receivers, you get Zeke. Who do you want? Well, Zeke was chalk at the same price on DraftKings as he is this week. He didn't budge at 7K. And that is fresh off a season high, 72% of backfield touches now as well. Uh, I would imagine his ownership dips at least a little bit in this game. So I think he's fairly interesting as well. I think if you run a run and onslaught, because it's actually fairly cheap on DraftKings too, since they're not moving Zeke and Cooper's salaries, or like Rich said, and in the case of Cooper, moving it down. So yeah, I would probably start with the the double stack here. Uh, CeeDee Lamb in particular, since he is the one still touting the higher target share weekly and not being boomer bust like Cooper. But overall, like I could see myself playing a variation, including Dalton Schultz, who even with Gallup coming back, we saw Schultz play a season high 95% of snaps in his first game without Blake Jarwin. So I still think there's an out for him as well as the clearly less rostered piece among all of them in this game. Yeah, the thing with the the Cowboys running backs is there's a clear tell that we have now. Whenever the Cowboys are in negative game script, Zeke's just going to play. He's the guy that plays all the pass protection snaps and, and gets to run all pass routes. His three highest games in terms of share backfield touches are all three of the games that they've trailed throughout the game. Uh, and that, those are all Pollard's worst games in terms of getting usage. So there's a clear tell that if you think the Cowboys are going to be in neutral game script or positive game script, that's when you can kind of maybe dip your toes in the water on Pollard. This is more season long. We're not playing with DFS, but that's when he'll be involved. There, there's a clear tell going on. Zooming out as far as the slate, depending on how things fall throughout the week, uh, like running backs, we talk about, you know, how Elliot was uh, chalky last week. Well, there's a potential we're going to have a super chalky Dearness Johnson. That may happen. Uh, Najee Harris versus Detroit. Like, I mean, who doesn't look at that and say, yeah, give me some of that. And then James Conner will get a really, really good chunk of that Arizona backfield with Evans presumed out. So I think you don't, you don't want any Devin Singletary versus the Jets. Uh, he's also on my list, but I, I could have kept going. <laughs> I mean, in theory, uh, we're, I mean, and this is Wednesday. Moss was dealing with a concussion, I believe. He didn't practice on a Wednesday, but Brandon you know, Bolden, you know, I have Brandon Bolden. That does not, I mean, how deep is my season long league where I consider Brandon Bolden? Uh, I don't think I want that. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I just for zooming out, I feel like Elliot's going to fall back to some degree. But yeah, obviously, eight point favorite, 32, but 32 team total. It just depends. And like, there's a chance the Ernest Johnson week does not happen. Also, worth noting, I have to pull this up. Uh, Derek Cardi's the Blitz. The game level factors. This game is projected to have the most plays uh, played the entire weekend, 133.2. It's interesting because we're going to talk about the game that's projected to have the least amount of pass, uh, plays as well, which is kind of sort of somewhat surprising, but not really when you look at their pace of play. Uh, the Falcons are playing too. <laughs> they're they're they also are. playing. They are playing in this game. And here's the interesting thing is like the run back for the Falcons, I think the obvious one at least is Kyle Pitts because for a couple of reasons his price has come down a little bit but so the main slate is without the four best tight ends on the if you like have the thursday through monday slate no, george kittle no uh darren waller not available travis kelsey not available mark andrews playing thursday night so like kyle pitts he gets elevated to number one uh daigle he's you know fandle tight end usually not that hard to pay up for one of the better tight ends he's not full-fledged like seven ak i think he's like six eight over there I have this written down. Yeah, six nine five eight on DK. Usually you punt on DK, and it kind of depends how things open up later in the week. 
Uh, Dagle, how much are we prioritizing Pitts as a run back? If not Pitts, who is the run back? Is it Cordero? Well, the same message you're sending about Pitts is also why I actually quickly want to pivot to Matt Ryan because we also don't have Mahomes, Stafford, Lamar, uh, banged up Kyler on this slate. So I could see myself getting interested in Matt Ryan runbacks with Cowboys players as well. It's been a couple of weeks since Dallas's secondary has really been threatened by an above average quarterback. Mac Jones completed 72% of his passes against them, but only threw 21 times in that shootout game before the bye. We had Kirk Cousins' poor primetime performance against Cooper Rush, and then Bridgewater most recently only connected on one throw, 20 plus yards downfield, but still averaged 8.8 .8 yards per attempt against them this past week. But Matt Ryan does actually provide some juice here because not only does Dallas consider Leak big plays, permitting the eighth most passes 20 plus yards downfield this year. But their strength in getting pressure is what Ryan has been good against this year. Uh, only the legendary Jets quarterback, Mike White, and Bridgewater have a higher completion rate than Ryan under pressure this year. And only Jameis Winston and Josh Allen have more touchdowns under pressure. We've also seen Ryan since the team's buy in week six, increase his throws downfield, uh, averaging eight air yards per attempt in these past three games compared to just six in Atlanta's five games before the buy. And that explains to your point about Kyle Pitts, how he's actually more of a downfield threat as well. Uh, nine yards per target in the five games before the buy and actually 15 since the buy. So Pitts is an explosive option who I imagine everyone would go to, but also sure. I could see myself getting interested in Cordell Patterson as well. Yeah. So, so here's the thing, Reeves, I see the data like, Oh, this team versus tight ends, this team versus receivers. Do we even, does that stuff matter too much? It's a small sample. I don't know. I guess there's some things to look at and all that, but the other part of it is, is Kyle Pitts even like, do we count him as a tight end because he acts basically as a receiver? So does that even matter? We throw that stuff out because the Cowboys have been bad against uh, tight ends. So that's what I was looking at. Wait, hold on. Let me see. Let me pull up my Yeah, data. they're last in DVOA against tight ends. Okay. Yeah. So, but does that, does that even matter for a guy like Kyle Pitts? He's like a tight end with air quotes. You can't see me doing it, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a couple of games there too, where Kyle Pitts, you know, two weeks ago, Kyle Pitts talked about how much attention he was getting against the Panthers. And so last week the Falcons said, all right, well, we're going to not line him up outside as much, even though when he did line up outside, he cooked Marshawn Lattimore and dropped a potential, you know, 50-yard pass that would have definitely put him over 100 yards. <laughs> but they actually moved him around. He lined up out wide just on 10 of his snaps. It was his fewest in the season. Uh, and then he played he played in line on 15 of his snaps and then in the slot on the rest of his snaps. They moved him around and tried to get him in different spots instead of what they did in, in a couple of weeks prior uh, where they really leaned him in as more of an outside receiver, basically as a lead receiver. So uh, it's nice to see them already taking, you know, kind of homage in their first your first big draft pick under the staff and saying, Oh yeah, let's actually utilize him the way we should and actually try to free him up and make plays. And they did. He just left the, the big one on the field last week, but he's well, I mean, you look at his target shares uh, in the three games that Calvin Ridley hasn't played. I mean, he's over 22% in all of them. Uh, he leads the NFL in depth of target for tight ends. So you've got splash play upside with him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, he's going to definitely be the most popular guy to kind of bring back here because it's harder to figure out the other guys. I mean, you actually have Corderell, who's is a, is a nice bring back. He's so good. He can, he can uh, play Calvin Ridley's role and Mike Davis's role, uh, but they can't <laughs> run the football. This is what's great about the Falcons. though is they, they suck at running the ball. Like they're awful. Uh, they're like the dolphins. Uh, we talked about Gaskin and like, I couldn't believe Gaskin's ownership last week when we finally got to Sunday, 
uh, because they're a team that just can't run the football. Um, you know, so when you got, you inflate these guys at the matchups and Gaskin sucked out a touchdown there, but you saw how bad his game was. Falcons can't run the ball. They're not going to be able to run the ball. They can't do it. So they just swerved into kind of dropping back and throwing. Uh, and that's basically all Matt Ryan did under Dirk Cutter too. Uh, so that's why you like the, the passing runbacks as well as you compare with some of these guys. The receivers are just a little bit tricky, uh, but there's really only Russell Gage and Tajay Sharper running routes. I mean, Ole Ol- has had the two touchdowns, but ran a route on 35 percent dropbacks like you got lucky uh someone played him i saw like scott barrett sent a tweet out like someone actually played him so that dude uh deserves whatever he got from that but uh, i hope he won all the money uh or accidentally could maybe just picking his name is cool it's like yeah i'm gonna pick that dude uh but yeah he's someone played him i saw that three targets three catches two touchdowns i mean i'm we're, we're not chasing that are we Dagle? i assume we're not chasing it no, and like Rich said, uh, Sharp and Gage have mirrored one another in routes the past two games, literally running the exact amount without Calvin Ridley, but they've also had whack-a-mole outings where uh, Gage hit last week, but Sharp hit the week prior, so you're pretty much on your own. Like, good luck picking one yeah. if you want to go down that lane. We got anything else in this game or are we moving on? Don't play Mike Davis. <laughs> yeah, I did that a couple times during the season. I think even pre- – like, maybe week five, I was like, you know what? I went on a whole rant about I'm not playing Mike Davis anymore. And I've stuck to that. I'm proud of myself. I've broken some of my rules sometimes, but yeah, there you go. There are only only three rules. It is don't play Mike Davis. Don't play Evan Ingram. Play Cooper Cup. That's that's all you got to do to win a DFS this year. I I did play some Gaskin last week, though. (laughs) I'm in a box of shame. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you said because you just asked about like those do those kind of stats matter. And that's all everyone started with was Gaskin, right? Like people are like, ah. Yeah, Houston's terrible against the run. Miami's finally favored. Like, we'll just play Gaskin. But, like, Miami is, is like, their offensive line is just garbage. Like, that's it doesn't why, matter. <laughs> that's why Book, Booker was such a good pivot, especially on FanDuel over Gaskin. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't help whenever he gets hit backwards to uh, lose the 100-yard bonus and then gets injured on that play as well, and you're stuck with 99 yards on DK. Other than that, it was great. <laughs> I think he was on my best DraftKings team, actually. So, yeah, that was kind of yeah. a bummer for sure. Uh, Tampa Bay, Washington, 51 is the total. Tampa, 30, uh, 30 point team total here against the football team. They are 10 point favorites. The tricky part here is uh, Reeves. We have it's Wednesday night. Uh, we're not really sure about Antonio Brown. I know he's in a walking boot at some point. He's not playing. Oh, you're ready to take that stand. You're going you're gonna to say it. It's not happening. Okay, well, Antonio gonna... Brown is not playing. Okay. Has that been reported or are you still confident in that? Yeah, I mean, basically, because he had a video, I saw there was a video of him working out and like basically every single like WebMD Twitter doctor was like, oh, this dude, there's no way he's, he's coming back this week. Now, like, now they, do Godwin. The people Godwin I trust. Got- and, and what I saw in Godwin is everyone, the opinion was that he was going to end up playing. So, I mean, granted, it's Wednesday, these things change, but like the people I follow that are usually pretty right uh, are in the camp that Godwin's going to play and Brown is not. Okay, so under that assumption, we're assuming Brown is out. We're assuming Godwin's in. Godwin is popping on both sides, both Fandle and both DraftKings, you know, for good reason, obviously. And you want to keep your, you know, ears and eyes on uh, his status all the way up to lock on uh, Sunday morning. But under the presumption he's he's playing, uh, is he your favorite uh, Ted Bay Buck through the uh, through the air? I presume he is. Yeah, but it's kind of one A one B. Both these dudes are in pretty great spots. I mean, the, the Washington. Blitz is so much that they've been getting ru- uh, crushed by slot guys all, all season long. 
uh, because the, 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 the reads come out quick. They've been beat downfield too, but, you know, Keenan Allen, Sterling Shepard, Cole Beasley, all those guys crush them. Uh, so Godwin would be kind of the, the guy that you would kind of climb onto to follow that suit. Uh, and he's had two huge games with Antonio Brown out the past two weeks. But, I mean, I have no problem with Mike Evans either. Uh, yeah. I mean, really, Mike Evans has only been bad the three weeks he was shadowed. And, like, that's it. Uh, and he still got a touchdown on Lattimore. But other than the three games he was shadowed, he's been the average wide receiver 11 in scoring. Uh, and Washington is bad downfield. I mean, they're 31st in completion rate and throws 15 yards or further downfield. 30th in fantasy points allowed on those uh, targets. So, yeah, I, I like both those guys. This is a – it's an expensive double stack, but as long as Godwin practices by Friday, uh, it's definitely a great double stack. Zagel? Very much the same. Uh, Brady hasn't thrown fewer than 36 attempts in any game this year, has only dipped below 40 twice. Washington also allowing quarterbacks, like Rich said, uh, uh, Washington blitzing so heavily, and that's probably why they actually are the only team to allow at least 1,500 passing yards on completed air yard attempts. So it's just a, a downfield attacking one that we know they can move the chain since Washington's defense also is allowing a league high 56% conversion rate on third downs. So utmost confidence in Brady double stacks as we do have every single week. You've got the guy that's got the most passing touchdowns in the NFL has already had a bye facing the team that allows the most passing touchdowns per game. I'm just going to line those up because the Washington's actually the one thing as bad as they've been this year, they've actually stopped the run, which is even better for us, right? Like when you have one of these teams that are bad, like that, that can't stop the pass, but then they are always behind and Washington is always behind teams just want to line up and run on them. But Washington's actually bowed up and said like, we're still going to stop the run. And that's great. That's exactly what we want because we always want Brady to keep chucking it around the yard. And it's, Still pretty concerted. Uh, you know, we're not going to have AB. We're not going to have Gronk. And whether Godwin plays or not, like we know we're still going to get two wide receivers and basically no one else. Even Cam Brate without Gronk hasn't seen more than four targets yet. So it's pretty much honed down to two wide receivers and a sprinkling of Leonard Fournette. And that's genuinely it. Yeah, and you got greedy Gus, Tom Brady, who if you want to buy the uh, the narratives and all that, like he's trying to rack up as many touchdowns as possible to get that MVP. And they're still chucking that you know, Mortal Kombat style, finish them, fatality. They're up by 17 with the three minutes left to go in the game. And he's like, give me one more touchdown. Why not? Sure. Um, you know, I, I presume he's going to be the MVP. He's like, he's certainly not at the forefront of that right now. And you guys mentioned it just to kind of put your stuff in the DFS thing. On Fandle, no team allows more fantasy points to quarterbacks than Washington. They allow the second most fantasy uh, fantasy points to, uh, to wide receivers. So that all sort of adds up. Uh, they, there's Fournette sitting right there. Uh, I know it doesn't make sense. Everything was just kind of laid out there, but of course, variance, goofy stuff. You can't predict things. Remember last week, how do we fill up Fournette? Maybe siphoning a couple of touchdowns. Yeah. Well, we saw that Ronald Jones had 10 touches a couple weeks before the bye, but also that was a blowout game, I believe. So we know that Leonard Fournette, it's going to be practically him. Uh, Ronald Jones is not involved on Thursdays, downs, does not get targets. Giovanni Bernard gets a sprinkling of them, but it's pretty much all Fournette right now. So yeah, I could see myself doing that. But again, it's because we mentioned so many pass attempts for the Bucks. Like that's why I lean on their, on the passing game. Uh, having said that, I, you know, we don't have ownership just yet because it's only Wednesday, but I imagine a lot of people will be leaning only on their passing game. What do you have for me as far as Washington when it comes to bringbacks? Uh, McLaurin, I think, was still a DMP. I'm not sure if that was a standard rest day. Like, uh, you know, on a Wednesday, we'll see. Like, he's been dinged up. 
He feels like a really good bring back versus a Tampa Bay team that's you know that they can yield some passes. And they also, uh, you know, they stop the run. And they're probably going to be playing from behind. Uh, McKissick, I suppose, if you want to get a little bit cute, I don't hate that, especially on DK, where you can compile those receptions. Who's popping for you there, Dago, as far as Washington as a potential bring back? Well, the targets only go to three places. It's like poor man's bucks. Uh, McLaurin, like you said, who's accounted for 47% of their wide receiver targets this year, as everyone else has just been in and out of the lineup all year long. J.D. McKissick, who has seen at least six targets in all three games without Curtis Samuel heading into Washington's bye. And then Ricky Seals-Jones, who's been more of a floor play, but has averaged at least six and a half targets without Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas, we don't know his status just yet. The injury report in the CBA, they can participate, but reporters don't have to say anything. Coaches don't have to say anything because uh, they're not actually activated just yet. So we don't know Logan Thomas. He sounds questionable, truly questionable. And so we'll see what happens from there. But like the targets only go three directions. And we also know that teams are still throwing uh, third most pass attempts per game against the Bucs. So we're not expecting like, a Gibson breakout to be hammered into the teeth of the Bucks front seven. It's going to be through the air if someone gets there, which makes it seem more like a McKissick game. Rich Washington. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, listen, you, McLaurin's like your upside run back, and you can get caught holding the bag. And then McKissick is probably the guy that's a little safer. Um, and you know, there's leverage in all these running backs. There's going to be a thousand running back plays this weekend already and it's only Wednesday and we'll probably who knows knock on it we'll probably get a couple more uh the way all these things every Friday has been just an absolute just nightmare uh in terms of guys being out yeah wait till wait till Alvin Kamara's out too so uh yeah, <laughs> yeah those I are three beat, guys, a beat speculated on that they basically said uh pick up uh what uh, El- Mel- Melvin Ingram Mark Ingram in your uh in your in your season long league and is that just one beat writer or he did miss practice I believe as well too right is that Seems like it's going to be a day-to-day thing, uh, but we are worried. We are absolutely worried. Yeah, and they are also apparently uh, working out a couple of running backs too off the street you know, too. So if we if we add Mark Ingram to this mix too, this this is the worst part about it is that all of these guys are valid plays because sometimes like a running back goes out and then it's still a committee. We have to figure out roles, but all the ones we've talked about between uh, Dearness Johnson, James Connor, Mark Ingram, like. There's no one behind them. Like those are workhorses. So now we have to figure out six different chalk workhorses on the slate. So it's going to be, it's just going to be a wild week. Uh, but speaking of running backs that, you know, everybody's in play Antonio Gibson, that's it, right? Like I just, I cannot trust him. I don't, I don't believe like, well, I don't know what they're doing with handling of him. If he's really hurt, if he's not hurt and he's, it feels like a half measures thing. Are we, I, can you confidently roster uh, Gibson or would you even do it? Would you consider it Reeves or, I'm just crossing him out at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get there on him. I mean, the, the best thing you could say is that, you know, he's still getting the goal line carry. So if they get there, you can run into a couple of touchdowns. But I mean, where do you see any yardage coming for, for him in this game? Yeah, it's a shame, too. He seems like such a, such a talent, but, like, you know, it's just not fully healthy. We got anything else this game, boys? We're moving on. I think we're moving on. Moving on. Oh, go ahead. Nope, that's about it. All right, uh, Seattle at Green Bay. Green Bay minus three and a half, 50 total. We have two marquee quarterbacks presumably coming back this week. That's what we're, we're assuming at this point on a Wednesday night. Uh, Wilson for Seattle, Rodgers for, for Green Bay. Uh, and this is the game I alluded to, by the way. This is the game that's projected to have the least amount of plays. Doesn't mean that you can't play it, obviously. There's some premier stuff going on. 
Um, so Daigle, I guess we're just going to assume that Russ is fine. His finger is okay. And whatever report I saw a report, like he's throwing whatever without pain or something along those lines, I guess he, because some of the internet doctors you guys alluded to, and I probably follow the same ones are like, well, this he's coming back really early, but you know, maybe he's a quick healer. Uh, I hope so. Cause we're not playing Geno Smith. If not, uh, <laughs> nano bubbles, baby, nano bubbles are still popping. <laughs> uh, and for, for Russ, the Seahawks, remember they only averaged 56 plays per game with Wilson to start the year. Um, but we're still able to average six and a half yards per play in a slow environment. Like they enjoy for whatever reason, because Russ was Russ. He was averaging nine and a half yards per attempt prior to injury and had only thrown one pick to that point. And the targets, the best part about Russ is that they were all concerted. There was no Freddie Swain and Penny Hart involved. 28% with the DK Metcalf, 24.8% with the Tyler Lockett. And they were all efficient targets. Uh, Lockett and Metcalf also were tied for the team lead with three end zone targets apiece. And so that's the best part about getting Russ back. It's just efficient targets in a very friendly spot against the Packers. Slow, yes, but one that could still pop assuming we get Aaron Rodgers back as well. Yeah, you wanted the run back on the other side to keep it interesting. We saw it happen with KC and Green Bay last week. I don't know what, how, what, what KC's offense would have done if they were pushed, but they were, thankfully, for their sake. Love was, uh, you know, what do you want for the guy? He, he tried his best, I suppose. I mean, the first 1,000-yard the first stare Spagnola saw from Love, he just sent the house. He was like, oh, it's game on, boys. And uh, he turned into giant Spagnola and just found all creative ways he could send eight every single time. What did you think of the the seats as uh, his mom had? Were you impressed by it? They really hooked him How up. How does that happen? Yeah, <laughs> they, they did them dirty. Did them dirty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they did her a favor, though. But yeah, it didn't. <laughs> she didn't want to get too close to the action. <laughs> also, good on her, though, for still showing up. She didn't care. She was there to watch her boy. Yeah, yeah respect. Um, DK also priced down uh, the receivers here, you know, after the Geno experience. Uh, Lockett is down to 6'5". We have uh, DK Metcalf down at six eight, making pretty appealing. Uh, Jumping at Reeves, as far as your your thoughts on Seattle, and I assume it's all about Russ cooking in theory, but you never know because Pete Carroll's still the coach, and maybe he wants to run the ball, but oh, the worst. Yeah, I mean, prior to Russ's injury, I mean, he's he he was leading the NFL in fantasy passing points per pass attempt, but just twelfth in overall passing points per game because he was throwing the ball just twenty seven times per game. Uh, you know, so it, it, it we the same thing, same thing as always, right? Like we're just revisionist history always with these with with Seattle. Um, but you would like for him to come back because Green Bay really doesn't blitz; they don't put any pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the, it's a good matchup. I mean, so you know when they've actually had to face good passers, uh, I guess Patrick Mahomes doesn't count anymore. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but they've been exploitable. And since they lost year Alexander, like they've been giving up big games to opposing wide receivers. It just didn't happen last week, even though Tyreek had all those targets. I mean, Tyreek had plays though, like in that game, like they just missed on them. Uh, they were definitely deep balls available. Um, so, I mean, uh, there'll be some plays here to make It's harder to kind of, you know, with Seattle, cause it's, they, these guys never do well together. Uh, since, since the, Seattle has DK Metcalf. They, they've gone over 100 yards together just twice. So, like, it's always one or the other. You would think that just because the, the tree is so concentrated, like Justin Jefferson and Thielen, like, like, we would have games where both these guys do well. But it just never happens. Um, so, it's really tough. It's usually one or the other, and typically I get it wrong in DFS. Uh, I, I like Metcalf this week, so maybe that is the signal for people to go to Lockett. Uh, Lockett's just one of these guys that's just – 
because I feel like you you want to aim small, miss small, and that's what you get with DK Metcalf, right? His floor is a lot higher. He can save bad games with his touchdown upside like he had. He's a scored in six of his eight games this season. Lockett is more like, I'm going to get you 25 or I'm going to get you five. I mean, he has games with 100 yards, 178 yards, 142 yards, and then his other five games combined, he's 159 receiving yards. So, I mean, it's just, I never really get to lock it unless it's like a super smash spot or like DK is like going to be shadowed or something by like a, a guy we respect. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have any problem with people that do believe it's a lock it week because it's typically one or the other. Uh, they don't throw the ball to anybody else. Uh, Gerald Everett, not used. Freddie Swain might get a target or two. Uh, they're not really incorporating the backs in the passing game. So it's really going to be these two guys. It's just frustrating that it can't be these two guys together ever. You want to take a shot at a Daigle? Uh, Metcalf or Lockett? What do you have for me? I never know either. I'm, I'm right. I'm right there with Reeves. Like, it's a coin toss. I never get right. At least it's not a showdown slate where it really costs you. Like you got it. You have to nail it in a showdown slate. You have a little more <laughs> leeway with so many options on a main slate. Um, I still lean Lockett personally, but also again, that's it's. It always just comes down to who is rostered less for me. What about the Packers? Uh, Rogers back with. Uh, we're assuming that nothing official is said, but that seems to be the timeline uh Devonte adams uh, that's his boy uh beyond that you can always throw the dart at mvs mvs gets those deep passes sometimes he catches it most of the time he doesn't uh what do you have for me as far as the packers offense here daigle well it's seattle's first real test in a month since they were dealt rothsberger james winston and trevor lawrence who has now struggled in back-to-back games uh, around their bye and geno smith's three starts but prior to that they were allowing over 300 passing yards per game and if you look at Green Bay's offense, there's also, it's going to be pretty much our first glance at them at full strength with Aaron Rodgers and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and without Robert Tanyan. Because without Robert Tanyan last week, it was with Jordan Love. So maybe they changed this, but they just used Mercedes Lewis uh, as a pass blocker. He stayed in for as many pass blocking snaps as he did routes run against the Chiefs. So there's an unknown ceiling with Rodgers since the Packers could just choose to utilize more three and four wide receiver sets since they do have all the receivers available now rather than plugging someone in to run routes like Tanyan did as a receiving tight end. So a little bit of a a little bit of a ceiling that, you know, we may want to get ahead of against a poor Seattle defense. Is there, is there any narratives out there as far as like anybody, Rogers, you think he's, I'm just always trying to think of this kind of stuff, especially quarterbacks have the ball and they want to stick it to whoever to get like their four or five touchdowns. Like Brady, I made up a narrative or it's just like, it's business as usual. What do you think it reads as far as the Packers offense? It's tough. I mean, I don't know how, like how sick he was, you know, and how he's going to bounce back, you know, yeah, uh, it's treated everybody differently. He was actually sick. He talked about being sick. So uh, you know, is stamina going to be a problem? He can't come back until Saturday. So like, he's just kind of doing virtual stuff right now. So it's kind of a, he's a quarterback. So it's not like, you know, a wide receiver that, you know, coming back or something like that. So it could not be that big of a deal, but there's at least some concern with it. Cause we just don't know. Right. It's just, it's just one thing. It's another thing to put in to the, the, the variance pile. Um, but I mean, that's the, the thing about this is it's, it's hard to figure out what's going on with Aaron Jones right now. I mean, we've seen his usage now, like really kind of be reduced uh, in recent weeks. And, you know, it was one thing when we knew he was going to be like used to pass catcher on Thursday night, and you're going to use AJ Dillon to kind of alleviate his role because you don't want to just wear him out. But then, you know, last week he doesn't hardly play, you know, he doesn't play at all. I mean, he played a season low, he had a season low 50% of the backfield touches. 
Uh, he had his lowest rate of routes per dropback since week one. Uh, it's just very head scratching to try to figure in a game where Jordan Love was starting. Like, I don't really understand what was going on. Uh, and then you've got this thing with Aaron Jones now. He's had just three RB1 scoring weeks now in the season through nine games. So, and he's priced up like he's consistently getting there. Aaron Jones is priced like he's been smashing. Uh, and he hasn't been. And AJ Dillon's getting more and more work as the season's gone on. Uh, you know, that could flip, I guess, at any given time. We don't know how static it's going to be, but it's it's been happening. Um, and Seattle's been a team we've wanted to kind of attack with combo backs, especially. Uh, they've been terrible against guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield and can run. Uh, so, I mean, it would be a spot where we'd want to really glom on to Aaron Jones, especially being at home. Rogers coming off of COVID, like all the, all the, everything lining up. Uh, but his usage has just been all over the place. You got anything here, Dago, as far as Jones, Dylan, what to do here? No, it's like Rich said, uh, just to see Jones handle only half of the backfield touches. Uh, now Dylan, 12 carries and back-to-back games. And you can explain somewhat why, like you can say the narrative is, okay, well, they had to get by without Devontae Adams in a different game script against the Cardinals. And then they had to help alleviate pressure for Jordan Love, which is what they still didn't do in giving A.J. Dillon 12 carries. But uh, and double-digit touches down five of his last six games as well. Um, it's just, it's starting to chip away far too much at Aaron Jones. So he's not really being used out wide at an increasing rate either as a receiver. So just odd usage that I would like to have more confidence in, honestly. All right. That's the three games, right? I assume we're done. We're moving on. Let's talk about position by position. Before we do that, let's talk about jock market, jock market, stop throwing your money away. It's time to check out jock market, the app where daily fantasy becomes a stock exchange. You buy and you sell shares of players in real put in real time. Uh, for real money. Download now for a 100% deposit match up to $50. Use the promo code GRINDERS, G-R-I-N-D-E-R-S. Get this, if you do not turn a profit this week, Jock Market, they're going to cover your losses in your very first event. Download Jock Market in the app or play stores. Check out jockmarket.com. That's J-O-C-K-M-K-T.com and use the code GRINDERS. 100% deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit. Some quarterbacks we have not talked about here, Reeves. Uh, Josh Allen, bounce back game, bounce back spot here, lining up against the Jets. Kyler Murray, do we know if he's going to play or not? I don't know, but he's always a thing. But if he does play, it's like, eh, I want his legs. And maybe his legs aren't 100% against Carolina. Justin Herbert in a potential shootout versus Minnesota. Uh, Thoughts on those guys? Who else do you want to add to the conversation from the quarterback perspective? Yeah, I like Herbert. I mean, Allen, you got to pay for it. No problem with it. you know, against this Jets defense. But, I mean, really, it's just – it comes down to the, the Bills have to find a way to at least just run the ball somewhat. Like, they're just not doing it all, and teams have just abandoned it, and they're not getting any yards after the catch. They're dead last in the NFL in yards after the catch. Uh, we've seen Josh Allen's eight-out plummet the last two weeks after it was nine yards or higher downfield in every game this season. Um, he's been their leading rusher in three of the past four games. Uh, Bills running backs – 182 yards rushing the past four games, 3.4 yards per carry. They just got to find a way to get something. I mean, the Chiefs are trying it at least. Like the Chiefs are at least calling plays to combat like well, how teams are defending them. It's just that, you know, uh, Daigle's boy, the mentor, can only get what's blocked for him and he falls down. Uh, so, I mean, uh, the, the Bills just aren't trying. I mean, you, you look at last week, they couldn't even run. The Jaguars actually are sneakily really good up front and against the run. But the Bills in, in a nine to six game, they they tried to run nine times with their, with their running backs and they couldn't they were there but they 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 only averaged uh 
0.22 yards before contact. Like they were just getting destroyed. So they just got to find a way to get something. If you do want to at least run the ball a little bit, even a little bit, the Jets are your, the Jets are your team. Uh, the, the Jets are going to let you run the football a little bit. So at least maybe they'll get something going. I mean, I don't know if I'll end up getting to Devin Singletary because it's Devin Singletary, but uh, you know, if he's gonna, you know, he does catch the ball a little bit. So, you know, if he can somehow get himself to 18 or so touches, he's, he's in play again too. So I think a lot of people won't want to really click him when they can just go down to like the earnest or, you know, maybe play a Mark Ingram or some of the other guys we talked about uh, in that area. But yeah, I mean, we're, we still are coming off of before last week though, Josh Allen had three straight games where he's a top five fantasy scoring quarterback. So let's see if it starts to snowball. Uh, and you know, if they, they can't counter punch here, I do have some faith in day ball. They just got to find it. They just got to run it enough, a little bit, make teams just don't be so one-dimensional. Hey, what do you have as far as uh, the guys we threw out there? Allen, of course, Herbert, Wentz, who else do we have to the conversation? Whenever your running backs are the mentor and the mint gore, uh, that's not a, not a good sign for success rate. Um, I also like Kirk cousins as the pivot, not only off Dalvin cook, but off Justin Herbert as well. Uh, Cousins has been awesome on throws 20 plus yards downfield this year. It's basically a coin toss, whether those balls are completed or not, whenever he launched them deep. The only issue of course, is that he does not launch them deep because they don't let him uh, only 10, less than 10% of his throws actually have traveled 20 plus yards downfield, but I think they'll be forced to throw more again in this game. since the chargers can move the ball with ease underneath with Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen. And if that is the case, it's a good spot for cousins since uh, the chargers look like they'll also be without their two starting cornerbacks again. Jalen Hurts could have even had a better week last week. He was the QB 11 overall, um, but of course it's Jalen Hurts and he missed a wide open Dallas Goddard and wide open Devonta Smith in the back of the end zone. So a little bit of a sneaky spot, even though the Chargers have been fairly good, uh, the best actually, against passes 20 plus yards downfield this year. And yeah, that's about it for me. I, I think, I don't think I'll get on Carson Wentz, even though it is a good argument. Um, I think Jonathan Taylor genuinely is just underpriced. Like he should be, uh, you know, Derrick Henry he should be like 92, 95. And so the fact he's not yet, it still seems pretty cheap for Jonathan Taylor, honestly, especially if they're going to continue healthy scratching Marlon Mack. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned Hertz and I was going to ask, I, think, I feel like he's been in my player pool every single week. And this is the first week, first week where I'm considering and it's early. It's Wednesday. I'm like, maybe I don't need Hertz. And like, part of it is he's just, he's just been bad. Like you said, like he's just been bad. It's really well, he, hard to just assume he's just going to get there in the fourth quarter. Like he bailed out in a couple of runs and yeah, he can move, he can run, but the floor well, it's is also so low. Nick Sirianni doesn't have like, doesn't understand you put the AC at like 60 or 61. He puts it on 73 or 48. And so it's just always <laughs> the complete opposite of the spectrum to have 17 pass attempts. Like I understand that's what you wanted to do against the Chargers, but even 17 pass attempts is still pretty wild uh, when you should just put the ball in Jalen Hurts' hands more and figure out more creative ways to do so rather than just asking him to be a downfield passer. So it's it's all, also Nick Sirianni's fault. Well, you, you bring up a good point here. Uh, the AC, I'm curious. I have two questions. One, what is the optimal AC temperature? Two, does Silva agree? Um. He has it. I don't touch it. I think he puts it at 59 or 60 every what? night. But I will say there was one point in the winter last year. We both had we both had shows like in the winter last year, and the the battery went out and it controls the temperature. Maybe this is my silver story of the week. Um, and like and we both just didn't have time to leave, like we couldn't leave the house. And so we were just like, okay, 
settle down, put a hoodie and toboggan on, and let's do this and we'll figure it out in the morning. And then uh, we woke up freezing. I could literally see my breath in the house. Went to get batteries, came back, put them in, uh, hit the thermometer really quick to turn it up and see where it was at. It was 47 in the house. We slept in the, that evening and none of us budged because we're ridiculous. Reeves, do you have an optimal temperature? Uh, we keep it at, at right around like 70. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, 71, 72 is kind of like, yeah. that's kind of the, that's the good zone for me. Yeah, but 60, but I guess that's when you're, when you're in Chicago or if you're in Cleveland, I guess when it's on 60, it doesn't matter. I don't know. No, there's no excuses. It's just silver. That's all you got to say. 59, okay. 60 is pretty low. That's cranking, <laughs> that's cranking man. That seems pretty low. Well, also he's upstairs, so he gets the heat. I'm in the basement in the in the guest bedroom, and so uh, it's already cold as hell down there. And it gets even colder when you crank it up. So I'm just wrapped up every night, <laughs> like I'm in prison. Reeves, you have any more quarterbacks for us, or shall we talk about some running backs? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Yeah, we've kind of like referenced these guys throughout the show several times. Singletary, we've kind of head nodded and. You know, like nobody seems to want to play Singletary, even if Moss is out. But like in theory, it's a good play. Uh, CMC came back. Maybe gets a little more usage. You got a bit of a discount. 9K now in Fandle. 8-4 uh, on DK. Uh, we talked about if Evans being out. We're presuming Evans is going to be out. James Conner, 7K on Fandle, 6-3 on DK. Dearness, you know, that backfield is as if, if Chubb's not back in time. He's 5-4 on Fandle, 4-7 oh on DK. Like, how do you not smash that? Like, outside of ownership, obviously, but that's an incredible play. Yeah, I wanted to kind of be like not into it because like he he you know he popped on prime time and we know he's not like a he's not gonna have like a, a ton in the passing game. And it's like, man, on the road against the Patriots, like what if this is like the 70 yard game, right? Like the 70 total yard. And then I'm just like, look at this price. What is what is like what are you gonna do? Like, how could you not? Especially if you're just playing in like your cash lineups, like how do you not? Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a tournament conversation. The cash conversation doesn't exist. Like he's right. the first guy you put in. <laughs> I uh, want to fade it. I want to try to fade it, but because he's like the archetype of running back, I, I want to fade. But the Browns run the ball on everybody. Uh, and man, but he's so cheap. He's so damn. He opens so much up. Yeah. He's going to open it up for everybody, though. <laughs> Who do you want to fade him for? Who's, who's the tournament guy you think might be uh, lower owned uh, that we have? It's got to be Singletary, about. right? Like, sing, like people, people aren't going to want to play him, right? I mean, they will, but they, because the Jets, but. Models are going to kind of like him if, if, if Moss is out, like considering the circumstances, like not love him, but kind of like him. Like he's going to, I don't want to say pop, but I imagine he'll be, you know, hitting lineups just because I'll, of the circumstance. I would take, Volume. I would definitely take a chance on Singletary. Just hope they run the ball a little more. Um, we saw in three games without Moss last year, Singletary was not good, but he still handled 14 carries and four, four targets per game. So the opportunity was there. Uh, maybe, maybe they get like Matt Breida involved for a handful of carries. I can't imagine so though. So I wouldn't mind Singletary taking a chance, especially in tournaments. I want to see him seek a take because in theory, like he has this massive ceiling, uh, you know, now it's not this great matchup here against Arizona. His quarterback is going to be Walker. I presume that's what, I mean, you know, Darnold's going to be out for what, four weeks or so. Mm-hmm. Just that offense might be like just shot from the get-go and Arizona defense looked great last week versus Sam Fran. Uh, they go like, do you have a CMC take for me? Of course, I guess he's in play for tournaments, but do you feel good about it? In theory, you should because it's CMC, but you know, that offense looks like it's going to sputter. Uh, no strong take, just that I would expect his workload to increase. And it was already fairly large, like just to get mm-hmm. Chuba Hubbard already out of the picture with, you know, three touches. And I know Amir Abdullah came in and out touched Hubbard, but overall, just to pretty much get McCaffrey involved, 
and then take him off the field in a blowout situation. I expect he would have played more. You would expect all his uses to increase. So yeah, that's fine. Um, you know, PJ Walker, I watched every XFL game. He's not good. Uh, it's not pretty. And we've seen him come in off the bench as well, throw two picks immediately. And so I don't have much faith in the offense, but also now that I'm talking out loud, I can see this is the case everyone will make and not wanting to pay up for Kamara right. yeah. or for McCaffrey. And that's kind of the best part when everyone wants to spin down for running back. So maybe I did just sell him and then commit myself to roster him. Maybe they manufacture a bunch of screens for him as well. But by the way, did you watch every Walker uh, XFL game or every XFL game? Oh. I was I was an XFL guy, even though <laughs> I will tell you, I'm not a tribalist. I will tell you the AAF, which I also watched every game, all five, all season long, were much better. There was actually good players there, um, unlike the XFL. Did not have good players except for Donald Parham. Well, Dearness Johnson was one of them, right? Wasn't he in one of those leagues? He, he was in both. He was actually in both. Okay, there you go. Yeah, shout out. I, I saw like the, the was it like a DM? He was at he was like DMing every single team, like give me a tryout, like just a cool story. And now it's like this guy's you had you know, uh you had Reeser Island in AAF. Keith Reeser was the number <laughs> one quarterback. Uh you had Trent Richardson leading the league in carries, but also averaging less than three yards per carry. It was a really exciting league. Um <laughs> and then we even got we even got Johnny Manziel for a couple games. I feel like Trent Richardson's probably only like 29, and I feel like it's like 40 in my head. How old uh, is Trent Richardson? If, he, if he's as good as he was in the AAF, then uh, we're not going to see him for a while anyways. <laughs> Did you have a take for me, Reeves, uh, on CMC early in the week? Hypothetically, I would say he's like 10% out, just for fun. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean it's worth exploring. The touches were there, and the usage in the backfield was there, too. I mean, he had 55 receiving yards, so, like, that's still there. They're another team that, like, they just can't run the football. Uh, they're really bad at running the football, and they've been. Or pass. Been, yes and passing the football <laughs> at least maybe they just won't be the worst passing team <laughs> that's all like maybe just not having darnold and like phil pj walker's gonna make it good but just maybe just not being the worst at it will be okay uh but yeah i mean you guys are right though like there's nobody that wants to play panthers players right now like the the stink on the panthers mm-hmm. is so strong right now even mccaffrey like it's, it's even mccaffrey like i can't imagine he's gonna be popular there's so many cheap running backs Dalvin Cook's in like a, a, a super smash spot, uh, assuming he's allowed to play, uh, which it looks like he is. Najee Harris is in a super smash spot. Jonathan Taylor's been on fire. Yeah. I, I can't imagine like a lot of people are excited, even with a little bit of price reduction of playing Christian McCaffrey on both sides. And Najee Harris versus Detroit. Like there, right. there's another one. Uh, I mean, but Harry- Okay. How are we going to figure this out? Good grief. I'm already stressing. There's just, there's literally <laughs> 10 good plays at running back. You guys crushed the season long stuff. Is, is Jonathan Taylor currently like one, one next year? Is he, is he the guy they're floating out there potentially? Uh, well, Cooper cup. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's pretty good too. Cooper cup. Is, it turns out Cooper cup is good at football. Yeah. That's I never, in my brain, you don't really think that, but yeah, I guess you're, you you can't drop a running back. That's what Twitter tells me. So Reeves had a Reeves had Cooper cup ranked over Robert Woods this year, which I know like it doesn't seem like a strong take right now, but uh, nine, nine weeks ago, it was very rare to see it. It was like a coin toss, right? I feel like it was like a coin toss. Yeah. I actually, I had them jammed together in my tears back to back, but I still had Robert Woods one spot over cup. I couldn't get there. And now Cooper Cup, he's just Coopertron. He's like the best receiver in the world. Yeah, and he, he, why is he not in the main fleet again? Because he's like the easiest plug and play. No, get him, games. get him out of here. Yeah, get, <laughs> him, get him out. Not do that. Get him out. 
<laughs> I want him on the main slate. Get him out. <laughs> no. Oh, yeah. Well, but yeah, this is the first week though. I felt like I felt like so far through the 10 weeks, the nine weeks of the season that it's been funner because like we haven't had like all these weeks, all these running backs, right? Like, and it's, you know, now we're back in like the mode of like, 2019 and 2020 like the, we're almost in the jam of men except for these guys aren't even expensive so it's gonna be a fun week i it, it's we haven't solved anything on wednesday um <laughs> except for talk about how much we like all of them but you know it's interesting to see how these things shake out because there are legitimately i i, I don't know how i'm gonna parse this down into terms like getting core guys like because there are eight eight to ten guys i i'm i like even, even for Dearness, um, I've already bet the Browns on Monday. And so, uh, you know, I even like him in a favorable game script. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to get off this. I don't know. Najee Harris, by the way, more expensive than CMC on Fandle. He's, he's nine. He should be. Yeah, only, I know. I'm just, I just think it, it's interesting. It's kind of worth a worth. He's getting out. the CMC workload. Not quite as many catches, but just not coming off the field. And he plays the Lions. Well, there's a stench being next to next to Roethlisberger, but it's not nearly as smelly, I guess. And he's got a bad arm too, apparently. And um, shoulder. Not not to not to add to the problem, but I mean, if you want a skinny stack, DeAndre Swift, he's right there as well. I don't know how you fit him in, but you know he outtouched Godwin Abuke and Jamar Jefferson, seventeen to five, until the Eagles took a thirty-eight zero lead in the fourth quarter, and that last game before the bye, and Swift came out of the bye. Now this is first time to not be on the injury report on a Wednesday since week one. So fully healthy as well. If it's a competitive game, he's going to be out there for every snap. If Jamal Williams is out, Jamal Williams DMP on Wednesday. So if Jamal Williams gets ruled out, like we're just adding another problem here. They go, give me your list. Well, as far as receivers, who do you have for me? Who do you like? Uh, I feel like running back, like we're talking about running back feels a little sexier this week, which is reverse. It's kind of different, I suppose. Uh, receiver, there's some guys, but it, you know, no Cooper cups. I don't know who to play. <laughs> we we talked about a few of them uh, a couple cheaper ones though he'll probably get steamed but jerry judy's pretty awesome you know 32 percent target share last week and now we have teddy bridgewater favorable matchup against the eagles um jonathan gannon just two shell defense has been such a joke uh four quarterbacks now since week four have has eclipsed 80 percent completion rate against them by just dumping the ball off including last week justin herbert career high 84 percent completion rate and we know teddy bridgewater has thrown 60 percent of his passes within nine yards of the line of scrimmage so the dump offs to jerry judy just make a lot of sense in this game um you know what you do with an eagles run back is up to you it's probably down. we'll talk about that in a second but jerry judy's an awesome play Jarvis Landry has seen at least a 25% target share in three games since he returned from injury last week. I know it was your boy, Donovan people's Jones Dean, but also <laughs> Jarvis Landry still led the team in targets. So I think he's a, he's a fine play. Also remember like we attacked the Patriots just a couple weeks ago with Keenan Allen and Jarvis Landry is in that same spot since he's returned. He's led the team with a 61% of his routes from the slot. And then I'm sure Deontay Johnson will already probably get steamed up since we're not going to have Chase Claypool in this game and for the next three weeks. But, you know, Deontay Johnson's a pretty awesome play too. How many targets can he get? (laughs) (laughs) Well, what's the exact box in this Minnesota Chargers game? We're going to run back some receivers against each other. Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. I know Jefferson's a sexy one and Thielen's just like not nearly as appealing. And then Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Mike Williams is supposed to be the sexy one, but like I guess he's nursing an injury. Uh, the announcers kind of alluded to it last week that the numbers suggest that. Um, if you were to pick one receiver on each side of that Minnesota Charger game, who, who do you like? I like Mike Williams. I 
I like to believe in my head, I've had this figured out all season. Okay. Uh, you know, Mike, I've been off on, I mean, in the works, I've, I've had been off on Mike Williams every down week he's had. I think it's been the kind of receiver he is. He is, he's, he is a little bit more matchup sensitive, uh, you know, in the, in, in the way he wins and gets his targets. And you look at all of his games, they were games that where you would say, yeah, they, these were spots to favor Keenan Allen or not spots to favor Mike Williams. The only one was the Ravens game where he legitimately didn't practice until the game happened. And literally everyone died on the chargers that day anyways. Uh, but you know, against the Raiders Raiders are number one against the deep ball in the NFL this season. They don't give up anything vertically. Same thing with the Eagles. They don't give up anything vertically. They don't give up anything downfield. They get, you, uh, Dale just talked about Jerry Judy and why he's so good. They get crushed by slot receivers and tight ends repeatedly uh so last week i was off on him um and there was a um another matchup this season too where's the what was the other game he he flamed uh he flamed on him but you look at all his hits they're against all these other smash spots where you'd be on him you know washington and cleveland all these teams that have struggled against perimeter wide receivers oh the patriots the other game who are number one in the nfl against perimeter wide receivers uh so now you have him coming back into the spot where it's the inverse Minnesota has been getting just crushed on the outside. Uh, five top 15 score weeks. Amari Cooper, eight for 122. Marquise Brown last week, nine for 116. DK Metcalf, six for 107 and a touchdown. Jamar Chase, 101 yards and a touchdown. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna plant my flag and say this is a, that Mike Williams isn't really had anything happen to him, really. It's just that there's been some oscillation. He's, he plays with another really good wide receiver, and the matchups have kind of dictated where the ball's gone. And I'm going to stick with that until I'm proven wrong this week when Mike Williams has two catches for 44 yards. Wait, uh, but also I, know he's healthy because, like, that 49-yard catch he had this past week was against Darius Slay. Like, And then Darius Slay later got banged up. But, well, yeah, Williams we know is healthy. He, he, he was at a 90% team dropbacks this week. He leads the NFL in end zone targets. He had an end zone target last week, just couldn't peel it, pull it in. Uh, and then on the other side of the ball, I, I'm still like, you know, Adam Thielen splits versus zone-based teams and man coverage, like are still night and day. So, I mean, you've got a zone-based Chargers defense, although they don't give anything downfield either. So it's not like you're expecting them to give up the stuff to Justin Jefferson, but like Daigle said, they're just so banged up mm-hmm. on the back end and that, that yeah. maybe they're, maybe that's just not static. Uh, and sticky for this matchup just because you know Michael Davis is out. It's not that Samuel Sun concussion broke off. Michael Davis' backup Ryan Smith tore his ACL in the game last week. Uh, so he's out. So maybe, you know, just because of the amount of injuries they have, like those kind of season-long stats aren't really as relevant. And then you know, you have a guy like Justin Jefferson who can win anyways versus any matchup. But uh, I like Jefferson a little bit more just because Thielen is the one that struggled the most against zone coverage this season. But uh, yeah, I I'm sticking with Mike Williams as a guy. I will, I'm going to be over on uh, early in the week. Yeah, I like it. Uh, who else is on your list? That wasn't even your list. I was just asking. It was just question. Mike Williams. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. <laughs> I just nailed it. There you go. No, All no. Right. I mean, they all they all covered bases. I mean, Judy looks like a great play. You just hope the Broncos have to throw enough. Mm-hmm. Um, Deontay Johnson, obviously great. Uh, Michael Pittman seems like he's pretty good. Uh, you can play him. Uh, yeah, all those guys. And then all the receivers in the games we talked about. I mean, the Bucks guys, especially. Like, I'm going to be on the Bucks guys. Who's ever standing for Tampa Bay should be interesting. Hey, is uh, Tyler Johnson, we didn't mention him, but if, if he, if we get no Brown and Godwin, who knows, is he interesting as a cheapie? Yeah, he's interesting regardless, I think. Okay, either way, he's in play to some degree. Yeah. 3 3 on DK. I think he's like 5K or so on Fandle. That 3 3 can be useful, though. 
Obviously, if Godwin ends up not like practicing by Friday, he's gonna be like the cup of tea. Yeah, he's the one of the chalk receivers you make things work with. I can, yeah, I, I can see him get steamed too, even if Godwin does play, because he's so cheap in a matchup that or on an offense that everyone wants to have exposure to. I uh, alluded to it earlier as far as tight end. Tight end's gonna be it's pretty rough this week because again, no Kittle, no Waller, no Kelsey, no Andrews. Uh, we talked about Pitts. One of the guys, there's two guys popping in the Apples I ran on Wednesday night, whatever that's worth. It was Pitts and back to Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold's 3.5K on, on DK, 5.1 on Fandle. And I think he's been leading that team in targets for like the last four weeks or something like that. You guys know better than me, but I'm pretty sure. He's Almost. Been there. Almost. Jamal Agnew is slightly ahead of him because uh, you got to get Jamal Agnew targets whenever you can. Hey, man. Well, his nickname is Swagnew. I learned that on Twitter too. And that's important, I think. <laughs> I don't have any fantasy points. I like it. It's good. Uh, so, yeah. How many Jamal Agnew targets do you need to get the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings? Uh, it depends how many end zone targets he drops. <laughs> like, how many targets does he need? Like, like 30, 32? I mean, like 12 is, we've, we've seen that 12 is not enough, so he needs more. Yeah, is Chanel not it? Like, uh, I remember the preseason, people were falling on themselves about Chanel. Is he just not it, or is there other reasons why it's but not Now he's playing out of position because of your boy Swag News, so... <laughs> Uh, yeah, he, he, I mean, he, he can't win. He can't, he can't run away from anybody. That's why he was always more of like a, a guy that was built to be like a machine in the slot. And since shark got hurt, they've kicked him outside. And, uh, but, he, but even then it was like false premise because Travis Etienne was there and then Etienne got injured and then, um, yeah. And now they're just using other people instead of Chanel. It basically, they, they're trying to use everyone, but Chanel. And unlike James Robinson, no matter what Urban Meyer does, Chanel is not talented enough to work his way into that role, whereas James Robinson refused to be denied. We didn't talk about Marvin Jones, but he's interesting this week, too. Give me, uh, Dago, give me some tight ends that are on your list. And again, it's not a lot to pick from. We kind of referenced a couple of times. Conklin in that Minnesota, you know, Chargers game seems kind of sort of some interesting. Goddard, you know, he gets the shares, but there's, there's no balls being thrown, and they're not really thrown accurately. It's kind of an issue as well, too. And the matchup I don't love versus Denver either. Um, you know, is, is it Friar most season after the, the Monday night, the kind of breakout game, I suppose. And he's been coming up, you know, through, as the season's progressed, uh, but this is the names we're looking at as far as tight end. Uh, what do you have for me? I could get into some Kirk Conklin Thielen stacks with Mike Williams run back. Like I could be interested in that for sure. Conklin has a 21 and 25% target share in his last two games. And while we've seen Osborne and Conklin pop up, basically opposite of one another. Um, it is a good matchup because the Vikings have, or the Chargers have struggled against opposing tight ends this year. Um, in particular in the past month, since they are just so banged up in their front seven and secondary. And then Goddard, yeah, I could see myself using him if I played Jerry Judy for sure, because Goddard, 32% target share since Zach Ertz was traded, running around on over 85% of the team's dropbacks and the targets like this past week, 70% of them went to Devonta Smith and Goddard. Like they just don't use anyone else. It's such a concerted and safe target tree. Wednesday night. What's the likelihood uh, Dawson Knox plays this week? Because Tommy Sweeney's he's two, five on DK or two, six on DK four, six on Fandle. Not as useful, but do we know, or do we, is there anything as far as Dawson Knox? Or He's already limited, was not put on IR, thus this is the game they targeted. So barring a setback, I think he would play. Now, would he be full snaps? That's what I don't know about. Yeah. I mean, this is, I'm just grabbing straws here, trying to like figure out a way to make stuff work and find something a little bit different and off the board. Reeves, what do you have as far as tight ends? 
I mean, you guys covered most of the ground. I, I, I think Noah Fant's interesting. The problem that you just run into with Noah Fant and any of the Broncos is that in the Broncos wins, they throw the ball 25 times per game. So <laughs> that's always a problem. But, you know, we talk about the Eagles, the type of defense they play. I mean, literally every Chargers tight end scored against them last week. I mean, you know, Cook didn't have a touchdown, but a two-point version. But, uh, I mean, they're just giving up so much production to tight ends. Uh, and then, you know, with uh, Albert O hurt again, you know, in the games that Albert O was out, Noah Fant was running a pass route on 87% of the team dropback. So he can come back and walk into a large work workload, uh, at least be on the field basically the entire game. Uh, just depends on how much the Broncos are actually throw, pressed to throw football. In that game is that is that scheme because i just pulled up as well fandle yeah the most fantasy points yielded to uh tight ends per game uh is philadelphia giving them up is it that's just the way they play defense yeah i mean they face the lowest depth of target in the nfl they play just you know they, they play a lot of zone coverage don't want to give up big plays that's why they get crushed on the run because they're you're getting light boxes against them underneath throws that's teddy bridgewater's mo. i mean literally teddy bridgewater facing the team that gives up a, a just nothing but high percentage completion rate for like it's like a match made in heaven like it's just the teddy bridgewater game it's just we need the eagles to do their part uh you know it, you know i kind of talked myself into bridgewater a couple weeks ago against washington and they get out to a lead and they just don't throw yeah. so i mean that's the thing you got to worry about because now they because like all the weapons are good I mean, you got Judy, you've got Sutton, Tim Patrick's playing well, you've got Fant coming back, they've got two good running backs, but like, there's a team that just isn't, they're just going to sit on their hands when they can. What is a ceiling Teddy Bridgewater game look like? I, I don't know, man. Who have was we the, seen one? <laughs> didn't he have like 48 attempts in a game earlier this year? He did. Uh, in the two losses they have, he's thrown 39 and 48 times. Yeah. Which is why I was taught on their side last week. And then the game with the, the total well, inverse. Well. I even had a Tim Patrick. I had Tim Patrick. I had 10% Tim Patrick. I was like, I still suck because all my quarterbacks are ass. I had but, uh, 10% but Tim be, Patrick. But to be fair, if you knew the game script beforehand and played Dak, you also would have sucked. I remember like well, well, five minutes in that game or whatever. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. Like, this is like the Cowboys are gonna get there. Like, uh, nope. It was the Raiders game, yeah, against the against the Raiders. Uh, 49 attempts, 330 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. Yeah, that's a Bridgewater late. ceiling game. Yeah, the Bengals were the same way. Bengals are down 21-7. I'm like, oh, here we go, baby. Yeah, Daddy's gonna start getting it now. <laughs> nope. Nothing. My favorite thing is when my quarterback goes <laughs> a pick six right at the gate. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that is a uh, that is the show i believe we, uh, that, we're done with tight ends right that's it i'm assuming so yeah. i never acknowledge the chat by the way what up chat you guys are watching us live do feel free to like hit subscribe turn on notifications yeah, what happened to get in the chat quick. questions where is our chat questions uh, i i failed I, I i typically i i pulled up the the, the link uh you know on the youtube but i forgot to open the chat so if you guys are there and you're lurking i we weren't ignoring you my bad i apologize we'll be back stronger next week I, i'm going to pay special attention to the chat in week 11 that that is our cliffhanger for week 11 that's that's what's going to bring you and then back. um and then it's thanksgiving right week 12 oh is it i, is that I week 12 that far ahead that's probably it am yeah. i going crazy two weeks uh, two weeks that sounds right two weeks yeah, week 12 yeah do we know what we're doing for that yet i guess we'll figure it out we usually show up uh pretend like we know about the sunday slate and talk a lot about thanksgiving yeah. <laughs> every year Fair what enough. are the Thanksgiving games this year? Aren't the Raiders on Thanksgiving? They're pretty hot. Um, let's see here. Well, I assume the Cowboys. And I assume oh, well, well, the, the Cowboys and Lions. Who do the Lions play? It is Bears and Lions. Damn it. it oh, is Justin Fields, though. I and mean, we got a Justin Fields is coming. Raiders, Cowboys. 
All right. And, and Bills in New Orleans. Ah. It's not bad. Yeah, I like the Bills. I like the Bills. Taste of Hill indoors against the Bills. Like we could, we could. I mean, we're the Saints are literally on the easily, easily in my like five least favorite teams to watch play football right now. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. They just—they're kind of boring. If the Steelers on Monday night. The Steelers are like that for me. I—I I, I hate watching the Steelers. Like their games are miserable to watch. Mm-hmm. Ben is hard to watch because they're bad football teams. But like you're just like whatever. It's—it's it's gonna be like kind of a, a fun shit show. But like yeah, the, the Steelers and the Saints, their style of football they play is just like their games are just—they do nothing for me at all. I, I think we'll get—I think we'll get Taysom Hill very soon. And they can't keep yeah. this Trevor Simeon thing up. Like I know he's not throwing picks. But, uh, but boy, he's also not doing anything else. <laughs> Do appreciate you guys listening. Before we step aside and get out of here, Rich Rebar, John Daigle. Rich, tell the people where they can find you, where they can find your content, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff. Yeah, sharpfootballanalysis.com, the worksheet, all that good stuff, the podcast, Sharp Angles. Uh, and then I'm here every Wednesday with my boys, Daigle and Dean. John, tell them about your incredible podcast that you host <laughs> uh, <laughs> on a Monday night, I believe. A good football show podcast, which apparently I'm doing really good at. And then NBCSportsEd.com. I wrote the waiver wire column. If you still have waivers for whatever reason tonight or tomorrow, you can just go check it out. I believe it's pinned at not Jay Daigle as well. That's Rich Rebar. That's John Daigle. That is the, the table we set for you as far as week 10. Two of the absolute best in the business. Always a pleasure doing this show for y'all. I'm Dean on behalf of Rotor Grinders. That was the NFL Pick 6 Show. Week 10, we're out of here. I'll...